0: Then, in two weeks, I'm starting one of my favorite series I've ever done, and that's At the Movies. At the Movies is where I'll show clips of movies, and then I'll preach and show clips and movies and back and forth. We're going to have four straight weeks of that. I do want to give you a disclaimer uh, it is illegal for us to show this online, so only the people that are here in person will be a part of the At the Movies. We have other messages that we're going to provide for our online campus, so you can still tune in. We're going to be showing worship online. We're going to be showing another message, but if we're at the movies, can only be in-house. And so if you're here, uh, you're going to be very blessed. I, I'm excited. I've put a lot of time into this uh, in the next five weeks and even today, and so I'm excited about that. All right. If you're comfortable in your bondage, you may want to leave now. Because the Spirit of God is here, and the Word of God is about to set some folks free. And I know in a traditional church setting like this, you look around and your instant thought of bondage is drugs and alcohol, but I'm here to present something totally different to you. How many want to hear what the Word of God has to say today? I'm very excited about this message. It's called the Four Gates of Deliverance. Everybody say the Four Gates of Deliverance. All right, if you will, I'd like for you to open your Bibles to Acts chapter 12, verse 1 through 16. And when you get it, I'd love for you to stand to your feet for the reading of God's word. I believe there's some fresh revelation coming today. And I'm telling you, freedom is here. Freedom is in the person of Jesus Christ. And there is nothing that can hold you back. Glory to God. Glory to God. All right. If you've got version notes, you can turn there and you can make notes and save them. Acts chapter 12, verse 1 through 16 in the New King James Version. If you're there, shout out a good amen. All right, there was about four of you that are there. How many are there? Say a good amen. Amen. Now, about that time, Herod the king stretched out his hand to harass some from the church. Then he killed James, the brother of John, with a sword. That's the same James that she's going to be leading a Bible study in next Sunday, Naomi is. And because he saw that it pleased the Jews, he proceeded further to seize Peter also. Now, it was during the days of unleavened bread... So when he had arrested him, he he put him in prison and delivered him to four squads of soldiers. So four squads of four soldiers to keep him in the inner prison. Everybody say inner prison. Intending to bring him before the people after Passover. Peter was therefore kept in prison. Everybody say prison. But constant prayer was offered to God for him by the church. And when Herod was about to bring him out, that night Peter was sleeping, bound with two chains between two soldiers, and the guards before the door were keeping the prison. Now behold, an angel of the Lord stood by him, and a light shone in the prison, and he struck Peter on the side and raised him up, saying, Arise quickly. Now let me just stop right there. This is the night before his execution, and this dude is sleeping so soundly that an angel shows up, A bright light shines in the prison cell, and he is still sleeping. The angel has to kick him in his side and say, Hey, wake up, dude. Your deliverance is here. Does this sound like a man terrified that he's going to die the next day? There is peace in every storm. Somebody say a good amen. And his chains fell off his hands, and then the angel said to him, Gird yourself and tie on your sandals, and so he did. I mean, he's getting dressed. The angel said, get dressed because we're going somewhere. And he said to him, put on your garment, follow me. So he went out and followed him and did not know that what was done by the angel was real, but thought he was seeing a vision. When they were past the first and second guard posts, everybody say the first two gates. Then they came to the iron gate, everybody say the third gate. That leads to the city, which opened to them of its own accord. And they went out and went down one street. Immediately the angel departed from him. And when Peter had come to himself, he said, this lost my spot. He said what? Where am I? I don't have the foggiest idea. I'm in verse 11. Now I know for certain that the Lord has sent his angel and has delivered me from the hand of Herod and from all the expectation of the Jewish people. So when he had considered this, he came to the house of Mary, the mother of John, whose surname was Mark. Where many were gathered together praying. And as Peter knocked at the door of the gate, everybody say the fourth gate, a girl named Rhoda, which means rose, came to answer. When she recognized Peter's voice, because of her gladness, she did not open the gate but ran in and announced that Peter stood before the gate. But they said to her, You are beside yourself. Some translations say you're mad, some translations say you've lost your mind, you're crazy. Yet she kept insisting that it was so, so they said, it's his angel, it's his ghost, he's dead. Now Peter continued knocking, and when they opened the door and saw him, they were astonished. There's so much in this passage. Father, I thank you so much for your word. I thank you for your presence. I thank you for your deliverance. I thank you that you are here, I feel, and sense your presence and your anointing. Now, God, may this word fall in the good soil of our hearts and grow and bear forth fruit in our lives. Speak to us, God, today in the name of Jesus. Anoint me, not one word of my own, but every word straight from the throne of God into our hearts. In Christ's name we pray. And everybody said? Amen. Amen. Let's hold our Bibles up in whatever forms you have and let's declare boldly, Father, today, this week. By your grace, I'm going to be a doer of your word and not a hearer only, deceiving my own self. Now, Lord, anoint my ears, anoint my heart, anoint my spirit, my soul, my mind, and my body to receive the truth of your word. In Christ's name I pray. Amen, amen. Before you seat, seated, give somebody a big smile or if they're cool with it, a high five and tell them you love them and you're glad to see them today. Hallelujah. Ephesians 6.12 tells us that we wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against powers, against principalities, against the rulers of the darkness of this world, against spiritual wickedness in high places. And that sounds good and it's correct and it's biblical, But that sure is hard to remember when your problem is flesh and blood. (laughs) When you're looking somebody eyeball to eyeball, I want to tell you there are four gates that Simon Peter had to walk through in order to be set free from his prison that are the same gates you and I need to walk through. And the first gate that he had to walk through to be set free was point number one, the inner prison gate. Everybody say the inner prison gate. Look what Acts 12, 4-6 says. So when he had arrested him, he put him in prison and delivered him to four squads of soldiers to keep him, bound with two chains between two soldiers, and the guards before the door were keeping him in prison. Simon Peter was kept in the inner prison cell, and he had guards and soldiers surrounding him. And while we may not be in a physical inner prison cell, there are many, I believe, watching us online on campus right now, and maybe under the sound of my voice, that are dealing with some kind of an inner prison within themselves, with guards that are demons and are principalities that are trying to cause oppression, that are trying to cause bondage. And I want to tell you something right now, God is more interested in who you are than what you do. The first thing that God had to do to deliver Simon Peter was to get him out of the inner prison. And it's the same with you and I. Before God can use you to do anything for him, he's got to get you some freedom on the inside. Can somebody say amen? Amen. You have to overcome the inner prison of your inner self. You need freedom from comparing yourself to others. When you compare yourself to someone and you see yourself as greater than them or better than them, guess what? Pride sets in and destruction comes. When you look at somebody and you see yourself as less than them, guess what? You Dejection and rejection sets in and all of a sudden you see yourself as a nobody. When you compare yourself to anyone else other than the Bible and God, you will never measure up and you can't win. Don't do it. Amen? Seeing yourself any other way than God sees you will bring an inner prison to yourself. Quit looking in the mirror and thinking, I'm ugly. I wish I had, in my case, I can look at the mirror all day long and say, man, I wish I had beautiful wavy hair. But it just ain't happening. Quit looking in the mirror and say, I wish I had not thunder thighs, but thinner thighs. Quit looking in the mirror and say, I wish I didn't have wrinkles. I wish my face was more smooth. I wish I didn't have crow's feet. My kids like to make fun of me. They say, Dad always looks like he's smiling with his crow's feet. You look at him behind, he just looks like he's smiling. Oh, no, that's just the crow's feet from his son and being outdoors. Huh? How many of you have children to make fun of you? You know what I'm talking about. Okay, maybe I'm the only one that has children make fun of me. Y'all are like the dagger in the heart today. I can see this coming already. Quit looking in the mirror and saying, I'm a nobody. I'll never amount to anything. Quit looking in the mirror and thinking, no wonder my spouse left me. No wonder my family member or my friends want nothing to do with me. I don't even want anything to do with me. Quit looking in the mirror and saying, I'm nothing. I'm nobody and I'll never amount to anything. Quit looking in the mirror and say, why bother trying anymore? You create your own inner prison within yourself, and there is no way to get free from that. But I got news for you today. There is freedom from every inner prison this morning. There is freedom from the inner prison of fear. There is freedom from the inner prison of of anxiety, of worry, of, of bitterness, of unforgiveness, of lust. No matter what it is you're dealing with, I want to tell you something. There is freedom for you. Somebody shout, freedom! But if you don't walk through the first gate, you'll never get through the next three gates. The first gate you've got to walk through is to get settled with yourself. Here's the problem that we have in the church in America today. We're okay with loving other people, but we're not okay with loving ourselves. But let me just tell you something right now. Jesus said a new commandment I give to you, that you love God with all your heart, mind, and soul. We understand that. We say, yes, I want to do that. And then he says, but then you've got to love your neighbors. And we say, yes, I understand that. But did you know, listen to me, very closely, that it is a command of Jesus Christ to love yourself. And when you look in the mirror and you beat yourself down and you constantly tell yourself you're never going to do it, you'll never amount to it and you'll tell other people how, what a loser you are and all this other stuff you are actually breaking the commandment of God to love yourself. I come to preach, I told you you need to run for the doors this morning because God's here to set somebody free. My God, I feel it in my spirit. It's sinking in. There's somebody here. You look at yourself so not the way God does. God looks at you and he sees the potential. He sees who you are. He sees you're created in his image. He sees the talents and the gifts and the abilities that he's put in you. And he looks at you and every morning you look in the mirror and you hang your head. And you say, I'm nobody. I can't. I won't. And God shakes his head, I believe, in heaven and says, when are you going to love yourself like I've told you to? Is it okay to preach for a little while? When you get past that gate, the second gate you have to walk through is one that many fail at. Not only do they not love themselves in the church, but secondly, it's the gate of expectation of others. My, 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 my. So the first gate that we've got to get through in the prison, in the church, I'm not talking to the world today, I'm talking to the church, is to figure out how to love yourself the way God does. You will never be able to love other people. You will never be able to love others the way God intended for you until you first love yourself. Well, guess what? We also need deliverance from the expectation of others. Everybody say the expectation of others. Watch this. Acts chapter 12, verse 10 through 11. When they were past the first and the second guard posts, so the second gate, and has delivered me from the hand of Herod and from, watch this, from all the expectations Of the people. I wonder how much more we would do for the kingdom of God. If we didn't fall to the expectations of others. I wonder how much more we would try to believe God in faith. If we weren't bound by the expectations of what we think other people expect from us. You have to be free from the expectation of other people. Listen. You can spend a lifetime trying to please people and never get anywhere. It's like a hamster on a wheel. They'll run. They say thousands of miles in their lifetime. But they don't get anywhere. I love surfing. I used to surf. And it's a great ride. But you know what? At the end of the day, it gets you right back to where you started again. Ride the big kahuna. All it does is get you right back to the shore where you started. Listen, I've come to tell somebody today, you've got to be free from the expectation of pleasing other people. You see, why is that? Because people-pleasing will cause you to do things that God hadn't called you to do. You will find yourself doing things trying to please someone else. Pleasing people will cause you to lay awake at night worrying all night, worrying about what somebody thinks while they're sleeping soundly and peace. You lay awake, worried about disappointing someone. They're sleeping so soundly, they got slobber on their pillowcase. They got slobber down their face. They got slobber in their eyeballs. They wake up and they're slathered in it. They sleep soundly while you lay awake because of expectations of others. When you try to people please, you pop pills of Xanax all day long while they eat in peace. You'll take jobs you're not meant to take. You'll move places you're not meant to move. You'll leave churches you're never meant to move leave. Because of the expectations of others will cause you to live in a prison of yourself. Am I preaching to anybody? I want to tell you something. Before you please people, you better make sure you please God. Become a God pleaser. Everybody say God pleaser. Now listen. I understand that there's some messages that I bring that, you know, hey, pastor, if you just lighten up a little bit, you know, we might have a few more people out here. Listen, I want to tell you something. I pray. I fast. I seek God for what God wants spoken. And I preach whatever it is. If it's a good, encouraging word, praise God, we're going to shout and run the aisles. If it's a strong word of rebu- rebuke or correction, then that's just what God wants, and I'm just the mailman, amen? Don't hit the mailman, praise God. Son, gives a big shout of glory on that. My point I want to make is, is when I lay my head on the pillow at night tonight, I need to go home and know I pleased God with what I preached and not pleased you. I know that sounds ugly. That doesn't mean you do it and be a jerk or hateful. It just means, hey, I've got to make sure that I'm good with God. Amen? I've got to make sure as pastor of this church that I'm not making Bridge of Hope Church a comfortable place for people to go to hell from. Because you know the fastest growing church in America today is the Mormon church. And there ain't none of them going to heaven. I want to tell you something. If we want to be right with God and we care about souls. Sometimes we got to be free from the expectations of others. I got to be free from what you expect of me as a pastor. And do it God's way. Somebody say amen. And every one of us needs that freedom to deliver what God has put on us without the expectation of others. Look, there are people that are not going to always be pleased with you. Welcome to leadership. You act like I'm preaching the Koran today. I can feel it already. In the spirit realm, listen, the most important thing you can do is spend time with God When you get in the presence of God, God will heal your insecurities and not make you run to please everybody else. Now you'll run to please Him. When you bask in the presence of God, God will affirm who you are and who He created you to be in His presence and deliver you from that inner prison. When you get deep in His presence, He will strike fear from your heart and fill you with peace. Woo! He'll wrap his presence around you and comfort you and soothe your pains when you're broken hearted. God will also convict you and lead you to a place of repentance. When you get in his presence, he will give you what you need. What we need to do is chase after God and pleasing him and let him worry about everything else. If you stand before God long enough, you can stand before any person. I'm going to say it again. If you stand before God long enough, you can stand before any person. When you get in, your, you get in the presence of God long enough, He will break the intimidation, the spirit of intimidation of other people. He will cause you to not be intimidated by other people. Because guess what I found out? All them people that are highfalutins, the sports figures, the movie stars, the rock stars, the politicians, all them people, guess what? I found out. You ready? There's a big secret. You ready? They put their underwear on just like you and I, one leg at a time. They sweat like you. They bleed like you. They hurt like you. Listen, God has not called us to be intimidated by anybody. Man, I'm going to preach to somebody. You will no longer be so impressed with people of money and influence and power when you're impressed with Jesus. When you get enough King Jesus on your mind and you get impressed with the King of kings and the Lord of lords and all his glory, all of a sudden sports figures and rock stars and politicians and all these people of affluence and influence and power, you'll be like, eh, what's all the fuss about? He will cause you to stand, listen, before great and mighty people and cause you not to be intimidated. God needs some men and women who will stand up and say, I'm not intimidated by your money. I'm not intimidated by your affluence or your influence. You are just a human being. I know you're great and all, but have you seen Jesus? Have you seen the guy I've been with every day? Listen, when you're enamored with his presence and his glory and who he is, they're just human beings, folks. Somebody say amen. Did I come to the right church today? I don't know if I'm preaching the right message. When you stand in the presence of God long enough, He'll cause you to be before great people and cause you not to be intimidated. But, Pastor, you don't know who that is. I may not, but I know who Jesus is. And those people pale in comparison to my Savior Jesus, to my God who can raise the dead. Oh, but you don't know what they can do. I know what Jesus can do. He can raise the dead. He can save souls. He can deliver. He can bring freedom. He can fill me with the Holy Spirit. He can heal me. He can deliver me. I'm preaching to somebody. Man, when you get enamored with the presence of God and the Lord Jesus Christ, everything else pales in comparison. Hallelujah! Hallelujah. I mean this with all sincerity. Movie stars live together and they go to the same restaurants because they don't want to be bothered by the peasant people asking them and bugging them for autographs. I would be a great candidate to live right in the middle of them. Because I wouldn't ask them for an autograph. I'd say, you think starring in that movie is going to lead you to heaven? You need Jesus. You're lost as a You're lost as Moody's Goose. You're as lost as a ball in high weeds. You need Jesus. Can somebody say amen? We've got to be delivered from the expectation of others. And that leads to the third gate. Everybody say the third gate. The third gate to walk through in order to be set free is the gate of bondage. Everybody say bondage. Watch this in Acts 12.10. When they were past the first and second guard posts, they came to the iron gate that leads to the city, which opened to them of its own accord. I love that. And they went out and went down one street. Immediately the angel departed from them. It opened of its own accord. I love that. There is a gate that leads to freedom. Satan wants to keep you in darkness. Satan wants to keep you in bondage. Jesus wants it in the light, and Jesus wants to free you. Ephesians six twelve. again, we don't wrestle against flesh and blood, but watch what Psalm 9, 9 says. The Lord is a refuge for the oppressed. You may be in here under the sound of my voice, and you love Jesus and you shout him down, but all week long, there's those, those, those fiery darts of thoughts that you're weighing against and that oppression that you feel, God is a refuge for you. Remember, it was the angel of the Lord that was leading Simon Peter out of these gates. It's very important. And God wants to lead you through the gate of bondage. Bondage could be defined as the inability to think correctly or respond correctly in certain situations and with certain people. So watch this. Psalm 103, 6. The Lord executes righteousness and justice for all who are oppressed. Everybody shout, oppressed. Oppressed. I want to tell you there is freedom for you today. Shout freedom. Freedom. Shout "Freedom." freedom. I said there is freedom for you today. I love this. It opened of its own accord. Everybody say that with me. It opened of its own accord. I'm going somewhere. Watch this revelation. When you are free from the first and second gate, the gate of bondage cannot hold you back. (laughs) <laughs> bondage and oppression by the devil cannot hold you back the gate has no choice to be open, the devil has no power over a blood bought saint of the living God the devil has no authority over you he has no power over you he can no longer hold you in bondage why? Ephesians two six says we, we are seated in heavenly places in Christ Jesus that means we are seated with him in the spirit realm, he's also given us the keys to the kingdom and whatever we Bind shall be bound. Whatever we loose shall be loose. Let me tell you, I got news for you today. If you're watching online, the devil has no power over you. I love this. I, there's so much revelation in this. Acts 12 9. Watch this. So he went out, Simon Peter, and he followed him. I mean, it's a, I think, well, yeah, if an angel's leading me out. And the fall off, Man, I'm going to follow him too. And he did not know what was done by the angel was rear. Watch this. But he thought he was seeing a vision. I love this. In other words, Simon Peter thought, attaining freedom surely can't be this easy. And there are many in the church that think, well, if I go long enough to a drug rehab program... If I go long enough to AA, if I go long enough to this, that, or the other, I might can get freedom. Some people think, well, if I touch my rosary beads four times, throw up three Hail Marys, do two twirls, and hope God's in a good mood, maybe I'll get freedom today. But I want to tell you how simple freedom is. John 8 36, so if the sun makes you free, you will be free what? That means it's done. John 8, 32, and you will know the truth, and the truth will make you what? Listen, freedom and deliverance is easy. Jesus already paid the price. Deliverance and freedom is God's job. Discipline is our job. Deliverance and freedom takes it out. Discipline from us keeps it out. Somebody shout amen to that. That's some good preaching right there. Romans 6.14 says, For sin shall not be master over you, for you are not under the law, but under grace. Listen, Peter got set free, and it was so easy his freedom was that he looked around and thought, I must be in a vision. This surely can't be real. I want to tell you God can deliver you in a moment. God delivered me from gambling just that fast. As soon as I turned my life to Christ, gambling and the desire left me. Man, there were things that just fell right off me. I want to tell you, freedom is fast when it comes to Jesus. Somebody say amen. And I want you to notice something else. Once Simon Peter went through the three gates, he never went back. He didn't go back and say, well, let me go back through the gate and see what I can get into over here. Once he left it, He left it, and he never looked back. And I want you to notice something about this. The angel wouldn't do for Simon Peter what Simon Peter could do for himself. You need to hear this. Simon Peter had to obey the instructions of the angel, and he had to walk. Everybody say walk. Matter of fact, just pick up your feet and say walk. God will not do for you what you can do for yourself. He will set you free, but you have to walk out God's commandments, live them out, and walk them out. We want greasy grace in the church today. We want God to forgive us like a magic wand has been waved so we can continue to walk in our crummy lifestyles. And God says, I will deliver you. I will forgive you. That's his job. The blood of Jesus forgives us of all of our sins. But then Jesus says, well, now that I've forgiven you, now that I've delivered you, now that I've taken it all out, it's your job to keep walking it out. This is good preaching today. Thank you, Dallas. Amen. Thank you, Holy Spirit. Watch this. This involved. watch Simon Peter's miracle it involved God's miraculous power and Simon Peter's obedience. You will never find a miracle in the Bible that does not involve a person's obedience. Even when even when Naaman the army commander showed up in all his splendor, I love Elijah, he's so enraptured in God's presence. He doesn't even walk out the door. He sends a servant out. I know you're the commander of the greatest army of the known world at the time, but you just just go dip in the Jordan River. I don't have to be... And Naaman was furious. I thought he'd come out and wave his hands and pronounce a blessing and I'd be clean. He was furious. Listen, what has God asked you to do? Perhaps the greatest hindrance to your breakthrough and miracle is your lack of obeying God's last instruction. God's miraculous deliverance involved only what Simon Peter could not do for himself, and the same is true for us. You say you want to be out of debt, God will give you opportunities to earn the money, but it's up to you to have the discipline to pay the debt off. When Simon Peter was helpless... God took over. Miracles are acts of God, what people can't do for themselves. But if you're in some kind of oppression or bondage today, listen, nothing can stop the power of God. Simon Peter was in an inner prison, a Roman inner prison, guarded by Roman soldiers who were the best in the world. Not even Roman soldiers. (laughs) The best in the world. They were helpless and they were powerless against God. Do you know what that speaks to me? The things that hold you in bondage, the people who hold you in bondage, are powerless and helpless against one touch from God on your life. I'm preaching to somebody to tell you you don't have to be in bondage anymore. You can be free, somebody shout Glory. No matter what it is or who it is in your life, they have no power to hold you in bondage. The person who's trying to control you and manipulate you and intimidate you has no power when it comes to God. That's why the Roman, David wrote, if God be for me, who can be against me? The Bible says the chains just fell off. Simon Peter, he woke him up and the chains fell right off him. That represents the things in your life trying to hold you in bondage. The chains of alcoholism fall right off. The chains of drug addiction fall right off. The chains of sexual addiction and bondage fall right off. The chains of bitterness, unforgiveness, hatred will fall right off. Listen, God's already done the work. It's not going to take you months and months of prayer and fasting. God can do it right now. Does anybody believe this? Has anybody experienced this? I want to see a show in hands. Greater is he that is in you than he that is in the world. Watch this. I love that the Bible says that the third gate was called the iron gate. Iron speaks of strength. You see, there are some bondages and things that you will deal with in life that the devil will whisper and he'll say, you'll never get free from this, it's ironclad. But I want to tell you something, that ironclad gate opened of its own accord when it came to God leading him out. What you think is ironclad in your life ain't even a spider web to God. Man, I'm preaching to somebody. Hallelujah. And your eyes, your prison, your problem may seem like bondage made of iron. He'll try to get you to quit. He'll try to get you to give up. He'll try to say, well, you can't do it. I, I can't get free on my own. It just seems ironclad in your life. But what's ironclad to you is less than flimsy as a spider web to God. Woo! How many things in your, between your ears has the devil helped you to believe is ironclad? And God says, man, when I walk you to that gate, it's just going to open right up of its own accord. You won't even have to push it open. Is anybody hearing me today? Peter went through three gates. Watch this. I love this. Simon Peter went through three gates of deliverance without anybody even noticing. Listen, you don't need an army of 100 people praying you, shaking you, jerking on you. Listen, I believe in laying on hands. We're going to pray for people here in a minute. All you need is one touch from Jesus. All you need is one word from God. All you need is the Holy Spirit to just touch you and the gates open of their own accord. I love that. God can totally deliver you from any and all bondage and no one else even notice. The Bible says they opened of its own accord. I love that. In other words, God said, I got something for you. What you think is going to take you years of deliverance, I'll do in one blink of an eye. Woo! Anybody ever been there? Hallelujah! All the gates opened automatically. It was the grace of God. But then they come to the fourth gate. Everybody shout, fourth gate. This is the religious gate. Everybody say, the religious gate. Oh, I'm going somewhere now. Acts 12, 12 through 16. So when he had considered this, he came to the house of Mary. He's considering, I'm free. The mother of John, whose surname was Mark, where many were gathered together, praying. Everybody say, praying. And as Peter knocked at the door of the gate, a girl named Rhoda came to answer. When she recognized Simon Peter's voice, because of her gladness, she did not open the gate but ran in and announced that Peter stood before the gate. But they said to her, "You are beside yourself. You're crazy. You've lost your mind. You've gone mad." So they kept insist- she kept insisting it was so. They said, "It's his angel. It's his ghost." Yet Peter continued knocking, and when they opened the door and saw him, they were astonished. I love it. The people were praying, but the gates were locked. Too many churches are hiding behind their fancy pews, their stained glass windows, their fancy clothes, and their big Bibles to ever get anybody set free. Jesus loved to blow the gates off the religious system. You can't do this, you can't do that. Jesus was like well yeah I guess I can I'm gonna do it <laughs> and he would heal people on the Sabbath and they'd eat ears of corn on the Sabbath and he blew the minds of the religious people. you have to pray in a certain way. you got to do certain certain ways in a, in, a, in a church system. Rhoda the servant girl came and she said, "I love this. it's a miracle. Simon Peter's at the door. And the religious praying people looked at her and said, "You've gone mad. You've lost your mind." Why is that important? Listen, that's kind of like that. Well, hey, pastor, the town prostitute showed up, and she seemed engaged in the message. You crazy? Let the pastor announce, "Hey, we're going to do an outreach route outreach for the downcast, the misfits, the druggies and the drunkards." Pastor, he's lost his mind now. He's gone crazy. Let's do an outreach to reach out to the homosexuals and transgenders. Whoa, pastor. We don't go there. Easy now. Let's believe God for healing people. Let's believe God for miracles. Let's believe God for answered prayer. Oh, pastor, now you've lost your mind. That just doesn't happen anymore. You see, if it's not packaged in a certain way, religious people will think you are crazy. The hardest gate, watch this, that Simon Peter had to go through was the religious gate. The hardest gate he had to get through was the gate at the church. When they saw that Peter was free, they said, It's madness. It's not Simon Peter. It's his ghost. They were better prepared to believe that he had been executed than that God had actually answered their prayers. Oh, it's not Simon Peter. I know we've prayed fervently and constantly all day, every day for him, and we're in a prayer meeting now, but that's not Simon Peter, that's his ghost. Doesn't that sound like church people to you? Have a good old-fashioned prayer meeting, and they leave there, and they're more inclined to believe the negative than they are that God will actually answer their prayer. Watch this, Acts twelve five. Peter was therefore kept in prison, but constant. Everybody say constant. Prayer was offered to God for him by the church. In other words, God is defining for us. He says not only were they in an all-day prayer meeting, and they didn't stop praying, but they were praying to me for him. And so God answers the prayer, but I love this. Uh, Prayer is simply asking God for an earthly invitation, and something more powerful than Herod's army was at work here, and that was God constantly, Prayer offered by the church for Peter. Listen to this. The Greek word constant here is a medical term used to describe the stretching of a muscle to its limits. You know what God was doing? God said, I'm going to stretch the church's faith. I'm stretching their faith to believe that I will actually answer what they're praying for. The faith of these believers was being stretched. The moment that Simon Peter was cast into prison, the church began praying. Watch this. It was a constant, unceasing, faith releasing prayer that moved God. Watch this. Not just to answer any way, but to send an angel to deliver him, like one he could see. You could argue with me and say, well, God sent me angels before. Maybe he did. I don't know. If you saw them, great. I don't know. I've never seen an angel personally. I do believe God has answered my prayers through an angel before, but I didn't see them. But Simon Peter was walking and looking at an angel. Listen, if God needs to send an angel from heaven to deliver you and hear your prayers, he will. Somebody shout, God's hearing my prayers. Who will your constant, unceasing, faith-releasing prayers move God to set free from their prisons of bondage? I'm blown away by this. The church was praying nonstop and fervently for a miracle. And they were currently in a prayer meeting. And when the answer to their prayer happened, they couldn't believe God. They were staring their answer in the eyeball and could not believe God actually answered their prayer. Isn't that like a lot of church people today? How many times have you prayed for something because you knew you were supposed to, but you really didn't believe in your heart God was going to answer it? Do you know how many times I've had somebody call me the next day after I prayed for them and say, Pastor, ever since you prayed, I have been totally well. And I think... You are? I've been healed, Pastor. You did? I hang the phone up and go, God, I didn't feel one ounce of nothing when I prayed for them. But it ain't based on me. Somebody say amen. Do you ever, listen, are you more surprised when it actually happens than when it doesn't? The church thought it was Simon Peter's angel. Look, again, this group of believers was better prepared to believe it was his ghost and he had died than God actually answered their prayers. This is the pillar of the church that set the world upside down for Jesus Christ. There's hope for you and I. (laughs) Somebody say amen. They're praying constantly and fervently for a miracle, but their religious box caused them to believe more in his death than his freedom. What about you? What do you believe? Do you pray for healing but plan your funeral? Do you pray for your lost loved one to be saved but live as if they never will? Are you praying for things constantly but inward believe in your heart that the opposite will happen? because at every other gate they just opened but the one at the church Peter had to knock and knock and keep knocking and keep knocking i want to tell you something prayer has got to ignite expectancy in our lives when we pray for the paralyzed we should expect to see them get their wheelchair and push it out to their own car when we pray for god to give us some money because we got bills to pay we should expect for opportunities to arise to earn money when we pray for our lost loved ones to be saved we should expect a phone call we should expect God to do what he said he would do. Somebody say amen. But I find in the church today too many Christians seem to expect more letdown, down, more disappointment and no answer than for God to actually do what he said he would do. We are just like the believers here. All night prayer meeting and when it answers we all go <gasps> Margaret Are you seeing what I'm seeing? The Bible says at the end of this passage that they were astonished. Everybody say astonished. Watch this. I looked this up in the Greek. To be amazed, astounded, watch this. To be out of one's mind, insane. To throw out of position. To displace. The fact that God answered their prayer caused them to lose their mind and go insane. They didn't know what to do. These are the people that got filled with the Holy Spirit in Acts 2. These are the people that are raising the dead and seeing miracles of God and they got thrown out of their religious mindset so much they went insane because God actually answered their prayer. Is anybody else seeing this going like, "Uh, I've been there before, Pastor. God answered their prayer and He displaced their own heart of unbelief. Listen, faith is released when we take God at His word and we believe and expect to receive Faith is acting like God is telling the truth. Prayer is acting like God hears us. Are you open to the miraculous today? In closing, we need supernatural power in this hour, but in order for that to happen, you have to be open to God through prayer. No matter the circumstances facing us, we've got to always remember the sovereign, supernatural power of God. Do we still believe in the miracle working power of God? Because it's never too late for a miracle. Never close a chapter in your life and say, well, it's over, it's done. As long as you're breathing and God's on the throne, it's never done. A hacker was out golfing one day. He was three good golfers and he hit a shot and it was a straight shot. It was the best he ever hit. Well, they went down to the green. It was a par three and he looked on the green. He didn't see his ball and in disgust, he thought, well, I've overshot it. Of course, what else is new? He's looking all around. He can't find his ball in the rough. He's looking everywhere. And as he walks by the pen, he looks and sees a ball in the hole. He pulls the ball out, and he goes, hey, guys, you ain't going to believe this. This guy who left his ball in the cup is hitting the same ball I am. Put it in his pocket, went off looking. He said, man, he's, throwing, he's just throwing his hands in disgust. He's mad. He's upset. He's just like, man, I, I can't believe this. I can't believe them. no matter what I've done. I." I Finally had a good shot, and I can't even find the ball. All of a sudden, the guy working on the sprinkler come running over in the golf cart. He said, hey, who hit the hole-in-one? The other three guys looking at him said, what? He said, who hit the hole-in-one? I sat here and watched the ball go right in the cup, and one of the other good golfers goes, hey, oh my gosh, you hit a hole-in-one, you hit a hole-in-one, you hit a hole-in-one. He got the ball and looked at it. He goes, no, not me. He had eyewitnesses telling him, but he was so close to the possibility Because his own abilities and golf were so bad, he was so closed off to his own abilities that he didn't think it could happen. I've got a question for you today. Are you closed off to what God can do in your life right now? Many in the church today have closed their minds and their hearts and their spirits to anything extraordinary, any miracles from God. God's not limited. It is not that God is stingy with the miraculous. The problem is we're so close to the possibility that we cannot see what could be if God really touched the situation and changed everything. Are you open today? Are you open to God? Are you open to healing? Because God is looking for someone who will step out and dare to believe. God is saying, I need people to open up and believe me for greater things. I need people to realize that what you think is ironclad is nothing to me. I need people to realize that cancer is nothing in the sight of God. That any disease, that any prognosis is nothing to God. That any lost loved one is nothing to God. That any problem or issue you'll ever face is nothing to the power of Almighty. is saying go ahead and dream and be open and watch it happen watch it happen I really believe this You'll get up out of your seat and walk to this altar. Before you get here, God will already set you free. Rise and walk. What problem are you dealing with right now? What issue? What bondage of your inner self? What expectation from others? What what is it you're dealing with? Is it a religious gate? Whatever it is to simply get out of your seat and walk down here there's nothing magical this is just carpet and a place but it's the spiritual act of obedience that's what I feel the Holy Spirit saying just as the angel told Simon Peter get up and walk he had to walk out his deliverance to get out of your seat and come down to this altar God will set you free